So hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Powers and the Pastorate podcast. I am joined today by Darren Calhoun, vocalist and speaker at the Mini, uh, Associate Fellow for Racial Justice at Christians for Social Action, and Worship Leader at the Urban Village Church in the South Loop uh, in Chicago. Yes. Uh, I'm just reading this straight off your Facebook. So. That's good. I was like, oh, you updated the, the uh, name. <laughs> we, we were formerly Evangelicals for Social Action, okay. and we just did a name change maybe uh, maybe two weeks ago now. So. Well, perfect timing, then. <laughs> yes, so. indeed. Very cool. So thank you for agreeing to uh, to come on and do this. Tear down the walls, tear down the walls between us. The clenched fist, the cordoned off heart, the borderlines always keeping us apart. The crossed arms, the closed up ears, the long high fence, Always keeping us in fear. Tear down the walls, tear down the walls, tear down the walls between us. Tear down the walls, tear down the walls, tear down the walls between us. Like I said before we started, we've we we frequent the same circle, some of the same circles on social media. Uh, and so we've encountered each other a few different times in that regard, but uh, this is our first time really speaking face to face. So I know, right? That's fun. I think this will be an interesting conversation. Um, so what I want to start off with is offer you the opportunity to kind of talk about the work you do. Um, I see that you're engaged in some different, well, social action programs. Um, I heard in in one of the one of our conversations that you you were in a panel with Shane Claiborne at one point, and so obviously, yeah, you run in some you run in some uh, big name circles. We'll say. We'll say. I was just gonna say I just hang with the with the troublemakers. That's that's <laughs> a better way to put it. Yeah. Um, so I. I do a lot and uh, that sounds sarcastic, but uh, I'm just, I'm wired that way. Um, like, you, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm in a band, I lead worship in a church, I serve on the board of uh, Q Christian Fellowship and the Reformation Project. Um, and all of this for me is an effort to, um, I mean, really my, my, my personal mantra is how do we make the world a better place for everyone in it? Um, and so it comes from my own story of being somebody who experiences living in multiple marginalized identities as a black man, as a gay man, um, as somebody who's poor. Like there's different things that come to my experience that inform how I see the world. Um, but I also come to this as a Christian, as a believer, as somebody who believes that what is right now isn't all that there will be and that we have an active role in making things better um, for everyone who's created in the image and likeness of God. And so that gets into some some wild and interesting places, um, especially, you know, when people kind of presume, oh, well, he does this, so that means he's like that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the, end, at the end of the day, my, my main goal is how do, we, how do we address some of the major things that have been happening so that everyone can be better. And there's certainly a lot of things happening right now. 
a lot. <laughs> um, if if the if the racial tensions being as they are in this country wasn't enough, the uh, the the recent news out of the Supreme Court and the rumblings there, I'm sure, is uh, adding to the 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 fear the fever. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. You you want to talk about that? Sure. <laughs> so, um, I'm you know. I've I've been doing advocacy for uh, for 20 years effectively. Um, I first started when um, the church I was a part of on the south side of Chicago wanted to figure out how do we get people who are selling drugs in our neighborhoods to stop essentially, and um, that was where I learned about how systemic power works and how these guys were returning from 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 prison who had you know, they, they now have felonies on their records and they can't do so much as get a job as a barber or to haul swine because those are licensed by the state. And thus, um, they've been excluded from all these kinds of very basic occupations, which leaves them nothing else to do but to return to selling drugs. And so that process of figuring out how to change what's happening on the corner of the block where my church was led us all the way to the state of Illinois and getting laws changed um, around uh, people returning from jail and, and to work towards easing what's happening with drug convictions and so forth. And it was my awakening to see that what's wrong is attached to all kinds of systems and policy. It's not just individuals who just make really bad decisions. And so yesterday, even, you know, again, even though I've been doing this work for 20 years, even though I, I'm very intimately acquainted with what happens and how policy works. Yesterday, um, our one of our mutual friends, Tandy, uh, had a discussion and it was just kind of asking what's going on with the Supreme Court uh, dissent about marriage equality. And a friend of, of hers, who is a lawyer and a pastor, just did a very matter of fact kind of breakdown of what they are dissenting and the dissent in in the most technical form is about how the constitution is interpreted and specifically that the constitution doesn't say a lot of things including it doesn't say things like who has what we might commonly refer to as human and civil rights and so they're saying that because the constitution doesn't say that people deserve these kinds of things, that for our federal mandate to create marriage equality is wrong constitutionally, and that that's what they're arguing against. Now, that dissent would also favor a lot of conservative uh, politics and values, but um, it just, it was a huge wake up call in some ways for me because it was just like, oh, you mean the same thing is happening over and over and over again, where me as a person who exists simply in my body needs um, constitutional amendments to do the same things that other group people have been able to do since they were born? Oh, that's fun. And to, to again, kind of see that I'm waiting on my humanity to, to be decided upon by, by these people who are just almost having this purely intellectual debate about a document that was written 200 years ago and it it just it caused me to just lament I was just like I I don't want to live here 
also don't want to live on this planet because this planet is full of junk like this and I'm tired. But yeah, <laughs> here we <Yeah>. are. <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was a, yeah. that was a no, lot that, that was a lot that was good that was good um yeah i know i know me as a me as a straight white man um a hetero, heteronormative white man um i feel that sense of exhaustion and i know that if i feel that sense of exhaustion i'm like i can't imagine how other people feel yeah um but i there were there were two two key notes that you you brought up in that that i thought were um were good um, the first being that you you brought us right into the the nature of the the, the principalities, mm -hmm. um, these being forces beyond ourselves, systemic things that are bigger than ourselves. Um, as much as we like to pay lip service to to individualism in this country, um, <laughs> we we have to pay attention to the systems if we want to get anywhere. Exactly. Um, and the other thing. Uh, that I thought uh, was a good point is something that I talk a lot about and I talk with my friends about a lot is that the limitations of rights language, mm -hmm. um, like the question of, well, where do these rights come from? Right. Um, and in the enlightenment period, you know, we decided that they come from God and they're naturally imbued in us. But the further we go and the more time we spend on this earth and after uh, the effects of the enlightenment, we just kind of look back at that and we're like, but do they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is wild. Uh, could you say more about about um, about that second part? Because I'm seeing that we tend to have a, a view that what we experienced in our own lifetime is the way things have always been. And so, for example, when you hear people talking about marriage, we say, "Oh, well, marriage has always been between one man and one woman." But I'm reading my Bible. <laughs> it's not that way throughout the whole Bible. And it certainly wasn't that way even in Victorian times, as far as marriage being something that happens out of love and, and this, this very unique, magical moment. No, it was a business decision over and over again. And so, like, I'm just curious, like, what kind of conversations you guys have been having? Um, and yeah, I just want to jump in on that. Yeah, um, to to go off of what you what you just said, thinking about thinking about th this is something my my wife likes to talk about a lot is the nature of of marriage, the history of marriage, how much of what we know is wrong. Yeah, <laughs> um, in terms of for much of for much of human history, marriage was well, we what we would call swingers, what we would call uh, mistresses, mis or masters, things like that, like marriage wasn't the the chaste one-to-one -one thing that we like to think it or paint it as um, right that's largely an invention of the 50s um but yeah to to kind of extend off that like um we we largely talk about how um rights uh as i said before are, are limited in language because we like to imagine um that that they're just kind of instilled by our creator uh to borrow from the uh to borrow from the constitution um the cat distraction yes <laughs> <laughs> we that, love the pets <laughs> yes yes we have more than we can handle that's not entirely true but we have a lot 
<laughs> um, but when we actually look at what how rights have worked, kind of to go off of what you said about how we like to think that the way it is now is the way it's always been. Um, but rights have always been um, given to some and denied to others, mm-hmm. like repeatedly and, and for, for most of history and continuing into today where even now we see how rights are um, given or stripped or threatened to be stripped from people, um, which is like, if these are given by God, this seems pretty strange. Um, but, but yeah, the, the obvious example of that being uh, uh, African-Americans in this country, Black people in this country, um, uh, people who were not Anglo-Saxon white initially, um, people who were not uh, heteronormative, um, groups like that not being, not being given these same, quote, rights. Yeah, and that's, that's, the, that's the part that's always wild to me. We... We have a whole thing, a whole history, a whole documented uh, tradition of relating to God in ways, at least, again, from this Western perspective, relating to God in ways that kind of center certain people, certain types, men, whiteness, um, affluence. We, we center these things and say that these, these are the image and likeness of God and that these groups have the rights and that they should have the authority and you know um our our current administration had tweeted about america and and actually invoked manifest destiny you know it was just like oh this this is what we're doing we've learned (laughs) nothing right like (laughs) we're saying the quiet part out loud now right it was like oh okay and um it's it's always scary because it's like how do how do we read the same bible mm-hmm. that that does create this imago day this image and likeness of god and how do how do we how do we read this bible full of people who are brown and and in the middle east and still come out being you know uh racist and and xenophobic and how do how do we do that except for the the tools that we've always used, right? We we have illustrations of the saints that are and the the characters of the Bible that are whitewashed, and that was a that was a thing that had a specific start date. the The earliest um, illustrations of Jesus were very brown and had very curly hair, and then once very specific day, they're like, oh, well, we need to make Jesus look a little more like us, mm-hmm. um, or the ways that we. Uh, my current my current um, interest right now is looking at uh, traditional uh, earth based religions and sp- spiritualities um, because for example when in the the frame that I was raised in or grew up in or was born into in the u s we tend to take a, a western even i think it goes back to Roman or Greek perspective of where the divine lives Mm. and so churches were built that um that caused you to look up the divine is up heaven is up and away but our scriptures talk about heaven coming down Mm -hmm. when if we go back to moses at the burning bush when moses was instructed to take off your sandals you're on holy ground I was in conditioned to think of that as, oh, your sandals are dirty. You need to like purify yourself. 
but no, if we look at the traditions of, of African spirituality and, and, and um, Latinx spirituality, divine is in the ground. Mm. And what I see through those lenses is an invitation not to like, you know, consider where you've been walking dirty, but no, get in this dirt, <laughs> get in the midst of who I am and where I am and this holiness that is here. I don't want anything between me and you for this, this profound historical moment. And to think of the holiness as in the ground and, and, and right here among us is a, is a whole nother way to like read so many things. Mm. It's like, Oh, so because I'm in a society that has kind of glorified a certain tradition and demonized often other traditions. Um, it has made me think of things that are related to the earth and, you know, um, the traditions that come from the people who are more closely in tune with the earth. Um, it, it creates this idea that what they were doing is backwards and wrong when we're seeing time and time again, if we had listened to them, we'd be in a better place. And I'm going to make one more little tangent statement. <laughs> um, indigenous Americans, uh, Native Americans in the, in the United States, were doing uh, controlled burns for thousands of years as a part of how they cared for the land. And that was outlawed because we didn't want um, Indigenous people to have power to do such things. And that created the long-term building up of brush and, and, and flammable materials that are causing us to burn half the, half the West Coast right now. But it wasn't because there was some scientific thing that said what they were doing was wrong. It was because they were not white. Mm. And because they were not white, they were less than, they were less human, they were less in the image and likeness of God. And so they deserved less rights. And so we created um, barriers to them doing what was best for the earth that we all live on. And now today we're reaping the, the benefits or the consequences of thousands and thousands of people's lives being burned up and, and thousands and thousands of acres of land being just burning uncontrollably because the people who, who were caring for the earth, the people who were stewards of the earth, they were, they were killed off. Mm -hmm. And instead we built houses and condos we replace the wisdom and, and knowledge of human beings uh, with the image of a bear who tells us that, um, you know, right, preventing right. forest fires is your responsibility. Yep. Smokey, Smokey the bear is not our spiritual guide here. <laughs> no, and in many ways, uh, uh, partially responsible for the situation we're in. Right, right. Whew, you got me on some tangents this morning. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like it. We're off, we're off on a roll. I like it. Um, hmm. I just see so many so many different directions. I'm trying to figure out which. Oh yeah. One. Um, yeah. That let's let's talk about let's kind of kind of draw it back to to the nature of rights language again, um, but also like try to start working it in a new direction um thinking about the entire uh the phenomenon that is maga mm -hmm. 
um, that that notion of we if we just go back to a time that was good, a time that was right, then we can we can fix everything. Um, even though consistently we see that it was only good and right for certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, and and before we before we go into that, I guess I guess I do want to seize on your uh, your image of Moses in the burning bush for a moment, um, and, and thinking about that uh, thinking about that nature of being one with the earth and one with the uh, returning returning to the stuff we were made from, um, flesh meeting dirt. I've never considered that before. I like it. I like that imagery, <laughs> but but yeah. considering considering the implications of what God's presence in the burning bush means. Yeah. Um, so so a some theologian whose name I can't remember. Um, That's how I do it too. Right. Likened uh, likened that that instance is like the the revelation of how God works in creation, where. Um, creation fully alive with the fire of god's presence and yet unconsumed Mm -hmm. so the bush is burning but it's not being devoured yeah that's i mean even in even in what you're saying about flesh meets dirt like there's so many implications for what the incarnation is right when jesus takes on flesh we are made from the dirt. If you if you look at the illustration that is the creation narrative, we are made from dirt. Jesus takes on dirt. Like it's 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 the same thing over and over again of the divine getting into the dirt, getting into the flesh, getting into earth, and then doing amazing and powerful things. Um, and yet we we discard our bodies, we discard the the earth, we discard all of this for the you know the tide tied to what you were saying about MAGA for this this coming future America being great again and anyone who's never been a part of the 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 centering of that is like when was America great (laughs) when what 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 at what point did that exist Mm -hmm. um but it's it's just like this 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 kind of a Zionism of oh we're gonna go and everything's gonna be perfect and it's gonna be wonderful and it and it really doesn't exist the way that I think like people people are saying words that that don't mean what they think it means Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. because for America to be great I I think it would look like the kingdom the same kingdom that said every nation tribe and tongue (laughs) would be (laughs) you would be represented you know Mm -hmm. what what is it what does that look like because it doesn't look like us all doing contemporary Christian worship music and you know singing uh singing at these revivals that a certain evangelical worship leader is doing these days it's mm-hmm. that's not that's not it <laughs> shots fired across the bow i see right very very loosely aimed but yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> well yeah because that's because that could be multiple worship leaders after it that sure after the march on washington or the march in washington whatever it was called um yeah but but yeah that that because I constantly, we constantly hear that. We constantly hear that notion of, well, we just need revival. We just need revival. And right. and it's like, but, but we've had revival in this country and revival doesn't really do anything for the least of these. It doesn't do anything for like the people in need. Like the time, the times where, where things are done for the people who are actually in need are the times that aren't being considered revival. Mm-hmm. So I think of, I think of, you know, I'm a, I'm a Methodist. I'm a United Methodist. Uh, for how long who knows um 
but <laughs> but but looking back to the Methodist actions in uh, in the women's suffrage movement in um, uh, the union in the labor unions um, and and how that actually has come to do more for people for the for the least of these so to speak mm-hmm. um, than than any of these revivals. Yeah. That's, I'm not sure why my phone decided it should <laughs> ring right now. It's literally in do not disturb mode. Um, but yeah, like uh, there's, there's I'm, I'm seeing a, kind of a pushback in the language to say these aren't revolts. These aren't just protests. This is revival. When we, mm. when we rise up and when we declare the, the, the dignity and image of God in people who are being killed at the hands of the state at the at the hands of the principalities and powers that be that's the revival mm-hmm. and so i love that i love the connection back to the to the the methodist church and and its role in things like women's suffrage um because i i often point out um and you know we're getting into dangerous territory <laughs> i i point out that mo- these things people are like you're not protesting the right way you're not doing it the Mm. right way because there's violence Mm. and I'm like which part of our history had major social change without violence and since we're in this vein including Jesus death on the cross at the hands of the powers and principalities that existed in the time in collusion with the church folk Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. right like what you know we, we 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 sing these I'm just going to say it. We've seen these violent, gory songs about blood spilling and washing over everything mm-hmm. and call it, you know, Sunday morning worship. But then when we see the blood spilling in the street for people who are standing up for the least of these, we call it wrong. Mm-hmm. And we, and we, and we, we, we say that you're not doing it right. And, and we, we, we demand that there be some kind of peaceful engagement when this is a response to the violence. This isn't people just showing up and doing stuff because they were bored that that weekend. It's someone has been murdered. Someone has had their life taken and someone needs to do something about it. And instead of being in this position of, oh, well, the tone wasn't right or someone had too much of an angry voice or I'm going to check out if you don't, if you don't do it in a way that makes me comfortable and feel centered. It's just like, wow, like, who are we worshiping? (laughs) Yeah. um, It reminds me of that, the article that I I wrote a few days ago that you, you ended up sharing um, about, about our, our desire to just tone or tone police to police Mm -hmm. everybody's tones and how they should feel. And it's like, well, you should, you shouldn't rejoice that the president is dying or the president has COVID or, you know, you should, you, this is how you should feel. It's like, you know, people are getting real tired of being told how they should feel and how they should act, especially because, as you said, um, it's never correct. Right. Um, it's always it's always going to be described as wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'll I'll, I'll go out on a, on a limb and say I'm not. Um, uh, I don't get upset when I hear about riots, mm-hmm. um, or or. Uh, uprisings we might say instead of riots if we Mm want to if we want to take the language back um at least not all of them because but yeah because what happens what tends to happen 
uh, for pastors, especially, especially in, in white churches and small town white churches is before we say anything about Black Lives Matter or anything about social rights or anything like that, we always have to begin with, now I don't believe in violence. I don't believe mm-hmm. in riots. <laughs> and it's like, why, why is it? I, mean, I, I know why we have to keep repeating that to, to make, to make all the, the, <laughs> the rural folks satisfied. Um, but, but it continues in that trend of we, we continue in this country to do what we've always done, where we value property, if not as much as people, then even more than people. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a social con- contract of if you, you know, disavow violence, if you play by the rules, if you quote unquote work hard and, um, it's so funny that this became the common nomenclature. If you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, which the phrase was a, you know, it was making fun of the of the very idea. But if if you do these things according to the social construct contract, I keep wanting to say construct because it is. Uh, if you do these things according to the contract, that society will exist and we'll all be able to have a, a great and happy day. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never acknowledge when the contract is broken. You know, we never acknowledge that the people who are supposed to be protecting us as a country, the people who are supposed to be, you know, making um, decisions in laws and, and, and creating policy, that when they break the contract, we just say, oh, but you just got to vote. Mm. It's like, no, you're, you're telling me to go back <laughs> to a contract that we've been doing for the entire history of, of, of this nation and, and telling me that, oh... It, it didn't work this time. It didn't work in any of your lifetimes. It didn't work in your parents' lifetime. It didn't work in their parents' lifetime. But doing anything else is absolutely unacceptable. Go back, try again, and wait and you know, wait until November until the election happens, and then wait, you know, a few years because once you get into office, everything doesn't change overnight. You're just you're telling me to just keep things the same. And even as a, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing in, in my pacifism. I, I'm, I'm kind of liking that radical idea that there, there might be not, there might not be any violence that we should do, but <laughs> I'm not going to be the one that's going to go run out in the streets and tell somebody who's had violence done to them that they need to go vote as a response to their violence mm-hmm. that's been do- that's ongoing and that won't stop anytime soon, likely in their own lifetimes. I'm not going to do that. That's not the rallying cry. Mm-hmm. Now I can I can advocate for for peace. I can advocate for the ways that we might sacrificially um, lay down our lives and, and so forth. But what I'm not going to do <laughs> is the phrase I like to say. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not going to lead people back into the system and the social contract that is broken repeatedly and documented in documented in endless ways captured on video streamed 24 hours on the news cycle and tell people what you're doing is not the way somebody needs to tell (laughs) the people who keep killing us what they're doing Mm -hmm. is not the way but Mm -hmm. i'm not going to be that be the person to to squelch the response yeah, fo- following, <laughs> following the uh, following the status quo and just not not rocking the boat too much has led us to where we are. And if we're not careful, it'll just lead us into our own extinction. Yeah, 
I think that's a very real possibility. Um, but, but, but yeah, I think, I think, I think back, um, going, going with what you just said about, about that, the, that desire to, well, let's, let's pull in Audrey Lord for a moment to use mm-hmm. the master's tools to try to disem, dis, dismantle the, the master's house. Um, but I think of, I think of, uh, John Lewis, um, who, who had said and who had been intending to say in a speech when talking about responding to people saying, just wait, just wait, just be patient. Um, he had intended to say that to those who have said, be patient and wait, we must say that patience is a dirty and nasty word. We cannot be patient. We do not want to be free gradually. We want our freedom and we want it now. And, and to speak about tone policing again, like he was pressured <laughs> by, by Catholics, um, which I have nothing bad to say. I have nothing all that bad to say about Catholics, but anyway. Um, Amen. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, so yeah. Um, but he was pressured. He was pressured by people to say uh, to instead to to get rid of the the nasty word part of that and to tone it down because you know that's too extreme. Um, and and we ended up with something just. We ended up with something good, but something lesser. Yeah, it, I mean. We're, we're, we're talking about the man we've literally seen get beat over the head for the right to vote. <laughs> we're telling him he's done, he's saying and doing too much. Mm-hmm. Like, where, how do we have the audacity? Where, where does that audacity come from <laughs> that we feel like we should be instructing him about what is too much? Mm-hmm. You know, um, I, I love that the, the the good trouble quote that we that we you know credit him with, and um, I think I think it is time for good trouble. I think it is time that um, like my my personal uh, patron saint um, Bayard Rustin said, we have to put our bodies in the middle of these gears that are crushing us and like jam this thing up because otherwise where will the goodness be where where will it exist it 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 will be made extinct by the systems that keep steamrolling our lives so we've got to we've got to stop things in their tracks if we say we care about people yeah <laughs> pleasant line of dialogue <laughs> it gets real, real yeah fast. but yeah, to, to talk to talk about that nature of extinction, um, mm-hmm. like apparently that's just the language we're using now because that's that's a good word. <laughs> that's a good word. Um, I, I think about that being the the truly evil and demonic thing about capitalism mm-hmm. um, is that that the entire the entire ideology, we'll say, of, of capitalism, the entire method of capitalism, is one that ultimately doesn't have an end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what makes it evil, <laughs> yeah. Because because the end for capitalism is sell everything, sell everything you can to make a profit, and when you have to sell the air, <laughs> sell the air. Yeah. Um, as opposed to as opposed to other models, <laughs> right? Um, as opposed to the kingdom of God or the beloved community, we'll say, um, where. 
not not to say that socialism is a perfect system or a perfect ideology either, but but at least that has a clear end of what the goal is of of humanity and creation sharing together in something better. Right. Um, and I think I think in a lot of ways, um, the reason we give up on that on those ideas is the same reason we give up on the entire idea of the beloved community because it takes too much work, it's too hard, it requires too much of us, we have to rock the boat too much. Yeah, and I, I mean, I I, <laughs> I love the way you put that because it, it does take me back to um, what some anthropologists would say is the beginning of social hierarchy. Um, when we were more of a, of a hunter-gatherer society and we just lived from the resource of the land as it was available, um, there, there wasn't a huge distinction between men and women. There wasn't, you know, wealthy versus poor. It was, this is what we have and this is what the earth provided. And, you know, this is how we, how we run a role. But as soon as we, we invested in ourselves, the ability to collect and to store up and to hoard, if you will, um, resources, uh, whether that was a hunt, good hunting ground or whether that was water or anything, then we created these hierarchies that that then turn into women are more important than men because they're maybe physically more powerful or able to dominate over women. Um, people who have more things saved up, whether that's grain or that's you know a fishing stock or whatever, are more important, and thus uh, you need to violently protect your wealth that you've now stored up and accumulated for yourself like it, it it's the beginning of all the orders and so eventually you get into well the people who have more stuff are more important and so you get the constructs of race where the people who were going around the world stealing from everybody <laughs> hello british empire um were stealing the the natural resources of various lands and mm -hmm. it, it it gags me to to, to see that today we associate tea with, with Great Britain when it's never been grown there. <laughs> like it's not even a thing that's possible there. But again, the, the way that accumulation and, and influence and, and so forth works, that that's just the way we've, we're, we're so used to certain things being stolen that pumpkin spice, which is a, which is a very black and brown, uh, creation is associated with whiteness in, in 2020 mm -hmm. and we're fine with that in a certain way but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know to, to go back to the history people were literally killed over pumpkin spice and sugar and salt and things that came from the earth that came from places that that these folks had didn't have who said oh i'm gonna go to your place and take that because again capitalism is it doesn't matter it, mm -hmm. I, if I can profit from it, I will take it. So mm -hmm. if I have to take your humans, I'll take them too. And I'll create a whole system and a theology that supports me taking your humans because capitalism must be preserved at all costs. And so here we are to worship. <laughs> here right. we are to bow and, down. <laughs> and, and, what's the, and what's the liturgy? What's the liturgy of capitalism? It, it, may, not be the, it may not be perfect, but it's the best we have. And and that's constantly the refrain refrain we hear. That's constantly the 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 intercessory prayer. Exactly. It may not be perfect, but it's the best we have. And it's like, okay, but can't we work towards something better? Like even if right. even if it's unobtainable, even if we can never reach that, even if we're never going to to fully encapsulate the kingdom of God, the beloved community, at least we should be working towards it. 
we should yeah. be living as though it's possible because otherwise yeah. we're just giving up right and that's that's been that's been my my personal excuse me that's been my personal mission statement if you will that i need to do the work that i can do sustainably for the rest of my life knowing that i'll never see the end of it or i'll never mm-hmm. see the the final goal of it and so while i have as a creative person as a as a resourceful person i have a lot of things that i can do but when people say oh you should run for office <laughs> i'm like no i shouldn't while i i am acquainted and and have many of my my people that i learned grassroots organizing from many of them are in in the senate and and in in different representative positions today i know that that's not life-giving for me i know Mm -hmm. that that's not something that i could commit myself to and do for the rest of my life and feel like i'm alive Mm -hmm. that would that would that would kill me (laughs) in so many ways and it's okay because I have friends who are great at that. They live on that. They thrive in it. And for it's good and bad and otherwise, no matter how you feel about voting or about the current political system we have, they can do that and be some source of good in that system. And it'd be something that also is sustainable for them. That's not me. Mm-hmm. And But I can, I can center in on the advocacy work that I do. I can center in on using my voice and my talents the way that I do and continually refining and learning how do I do this in a way that works for me because I may do something for a while and go you know what I can't keep doing this that's and that's okay I I, I am not all things I am not the alpha and the, and the omega I am not the beginning and the end <laughs> even if I was the first I don't have to be the last but I think that's the part that for me is so important in how we have these conversations we have to figure out what it is that we can do because you you won't be the next Martin Luther King or you won't be the next uh, Malcolm X, but you can be the next you <laughs> and the only you. And what you do absolutely matters. And if all you do is get somebody else to the point of they're like, how can I be like you? Not how can I be Darren Calhoun or how can I be Corey Simon? How can I be, you know, how can I be doing me in a way that's really great and awesome um, in a way that cares for others in a way that reflects what I love and believe about God and, and the coming kingdom or kingdom or beloved community. Um, how can I do that? Um, because otherwise we will burn out all this, all this good stuff. We will go and, and crawl in a hole and just self-medicate until the king, kingdom comes um, if we don't mm-hmm. balance it out. Yeah. And I think that's 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 so critical, especially in 2020 when when all of the chaos is <laughs> burning around us. If all you can do today is take a nap and 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 cry out to God, that is fine. <laughs> do what that's, you need to do. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough for today. Let tomorrow worry today. for worry for tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think about my own my own work um like i one of one of the ministries that i'm involved in is is that of uh beating guns into garden tools yes um taking donated guns that people give or or initially my own gun uh, a handgun that i had had at a different point in my life that i ended up converting into a small hand trowel um 
but considering thinking of that and thinking about how that's a it's soul care mm-hmm. um it's it's not doing anything that's going to be it's not going to it's not doing anything that's going to magically fix all of our problems <laughs> and fix gun violence um it's uh doing what i can with the gifts that i've been given or the gifts that i'm learning <laughs> um to to live humanly as humanly as i can um and to, yeah. to use to use that small victory those small victories as as movement forward yeah i love that i love that i love this um it's it's the great both and you know where we have we have work that we're trying to do we have bigger grander visions but we also have to sustain ourselves we also have to have to honor ourselves we have to honor our needs to do things that do remind us that what we do matters that it does have impact and that um if what what you've been able to accomplish is taking one gun off the street it's one less gun right (laughs) if what you're able to do is is take care of your pets like you know like (laughs) there there are ways that we keep empowered to do the other work to to create a podcast you know to to um to vote to to whatever it is you feel like you can put your hand to do that takes something being poured in and that's as a as an enneagram too as a person who always finds himself trying to help others and do do for others that's my thing i was like let me learn to do for myself let me learn to pour into myself um, because I, I need it. It's the only way I can be able to help others is if I've also helped myself. It's mm-hmm. kind of like that second greatest commandment. <laughs> right. I think about um, that nature of, of talking about like laying down and, me- and medicating yourself until the kingdom comes or until you die, whichever comes first. Um, that that back in back when i was in seminary um i one of my professors uh talked about something that it wasn't it wasn't entirely his i know it wasn't his original thought but he instilled it in my mind that that notion of the best way to quiet a radical (laughs) is to uh uh, give them a tv show or put them in public office or in the in the church in the uh the institutional church you make them a bishop or a district superintendent (laughs) you put them Mm -hmm. in in the you put them in the administration um because they can't be they can't be radical anymore if they're (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and that's that that's one again that that same thing of we have we have to live in this we have to live in tension rather Mm -hmm. than work to always negate tension Mm -hmm. um because that's that's the other side of the coin right one side is pacified negate self-medicate numb numb yourself and the other part is burn yourself out try to do all the things try to you know fix everything and fix it right now and neither one of those are fully sustainable like mm-hmm. somewhere in the middle somewhere somewhere in the in between to to use some eastern theology or eastern eastern philosophy theology how you want to look, ever look at it to find that yin and yang balance <laughs> um it's it's not going to be either extreme um and again that's that's the that's the encouragement if you will like as 
as people are listening to these kind of things and getting riled up and sometimes people are getting activated and 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 engaged for the first time and they you know full of zeal want to fix it tomorrow and it's like no you probably gotta learn your anti-racism 101 like <laughs> yes you are full of energy and yes you have all the right intentions and yes you have so much so much work to do so let's do what we let's do what we can right now and just live into that well i think that's i think that's the the vital importance of the the, the body of christ language that paul gives us um mm-hmm that that notion of all of our all of our successes are shared all of our losses are shared mm-hmm. like we're more that we are more than just you and i yes uh, we are more than just ourselves there <laughs> in some regards there is no me like individually <laughs> there is there is me and how i have been formed by every person i've ever encountered yeah I'm totally going to to do a plug, but it's totally relevant. Um, so the band I sing in, the many, we uh, have this song that just that declares there is no other. Mm-hmm. There's only us um, trying to find our way to love, <laughs> and it's I, I'm you know just to brag on my people. I, I love my my band. I love the way that we are very literally doing life together it is not just come to rehearse come sing a song come write a song no it is like we're gonna eat and we're gonna have lunch and we're gonna like spend the day together and all these other kinds of things um and out of that comes that deep sensitivity to what it is we're trying to do in the world and so so we do we we write these songs that um that are informed by justice that are informed by values like inclusion and anti-racism but that are also just human that are full of doubt and question and angst sometimes. Like um, we feel like the church was missing a lot of these parts of the conversation. We have a million songs about victory and confidence and certainty in our God. And that's important too. But where are the, where are the songs for when somebody dies like that aren't just about going to heaven? What about mm-hmm. the how you feel right now? What about when you see another person killed by police and how come none of our or very little of our of our worship music actually addresses that and mm-hmm. so we're trying to create that music and fill in the gaps in so many ways because yeah we got a million victory chants but we need some lament and mm-hmm. so we, we create that i i say this i say this half jokingly but i i, I actually kind of mean it when i say it is that <laughs> I think in a lot of ways, I think one of the best theological, the, the most theologically rich um, uh, albums to come out of the, to come out of recent years is the greatest showman soundtrack. <laughs> yes. Um, but, but uh, yeah, I, I say that half, I, I say that half kiddingly, but I, I, I mean that especially in regards to like mass produced uh, uh, contemporary mm-hmm. music. Um, which maybe I'll have to have you on another time to talk about that as a we should. <laughs> as, as a principality and what that means. Um, but but talking about that celebration of the humanity, celebration mm-hmm. of, of our brothers and sisters in Christ, our siblings in Christ, and what that looks like and how we celebrate each other. Yeah, I, I love that you named that specific uh, <laughs> movie because what's amazing about it is the story is about a, a very not great human. <laughs> Especially and, when you look at the real person. Yeah. Right. The, the real person was horrible in so <laughs> many ways. 
and the musical actually doesn't need him. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing about that story that actually needed him to be to, for it to be about him as a as a real existing human being. And yes, there's loads of artistic uh, li- liberty and license taken, but this profound musical did not need this name attached to it mm-hmm. to be the profound musical it is. And so many of the songs, you know, we we talk about um, uh, this is me. Um, I am brave, I am bruised, mm-hmm. I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. I am brave, I am bruised, I am who I'm meant to be, this is me. Look out, cause here I come. That song on its own sat so powerfully in ways that I felt were diminished by the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the scene in the movie was not as rich and amazing. It was almost like a, oh, I've been... I don't want to give it away. I mean, yeah, it's like two, three years old now, but the movie, it was so much less of a moment than it was just all on its own. And yeah. I just feel like, yeah, yeah, there's, to, there's, to so, there's something to say in that. Yeah, just to see how that song has become something of an LGBTQ anthem. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, the movie wouldn't have gotten made if it hadn't ascribed to certain interests, to certain capitalistic values. But in other ways, it was like out of that, out of that, we were able to still find something so valuable that every time Darren saw it, he would cry from the opening credits on through to the closing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Again, without it being about me having some profound revelation about, about uh, P.T. Barnum, it was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, and that's, that's what I think is like great about that movie is like how, how easily the soundtrack could just be like pulled from it. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, for better or worse, like that's that's the that's what the point of that soundtrack is. Soundtrack mm-hmm. is is that soundtrack could go with literally any story and it would work. But whatever, it, um, it doesn't make it a bad soundtrack. Right, <laughs> that's that's in many ways what makes it good because it's so um, relevant and it speaks so well to to the lived experience of people today. Yeah, and I think. I think it shares that in common with like Hamilton, for instance, mm-hmm. where where we can we can take these characters, these people in history that were not good people, yeah. um, even by the standards of their day, weren't necessarily good people, um, but be able to to retell their stories, to to tell them in a new way uh, that that makes them something that we can learn from and continue on from. Um, yeah. And hopefully, hopefully, be able to then look at the actual people and see the see the differences and see the problems. But you know, whether or right. not people take the initiative to do that is a different thing. Hmm. Absolutely. So we're coming up on an hour. Yes, indeed. Uh, and it's been a good hour. Yeah, it's been a really good hour. So I would love to invite you on at some point again. Uh, for another episode, a few a few more episodes. This was a really good conversation. Um, we didn't really we didn't really talk about what the what the stated uh, intention of this episode was, but I think that's okay. <laughs> I, I think we hit it in some some much broader points because it's all yeah. related. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. If you if you would have if you would have any willingness to uh, to do this again sometime, for sure, for sure, for um, sure we could definitely have a conversation about uh, the contemporary music genre (laughs) 
And if you want to, if you want to bring in some of your friends from the band, that'd be cool too. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, could I, could I use, but, uh, one of the things I think we, I think we did pretty well to land on a conversation about hope because that's, that's the way I always like to end these episodes is, is what gives you hope. Um, yeah. because we often go deep and then you can easily just stay there. Uh, but one thing that I like to do is I like to get like, uh, reading recommendations. Uh, so the question of what are you reading right now and what do you recommend? Fun, fun, fun. This, I, it usually takes me having some things in advance for this. I should have prepped you for this. <laughs> Because in, in some ways, there's always like a stack uh, that is, oh, three to four feet tall of books that I have that I want to get to. <clears throat> but I usually don't until they come out on audiobooks. Um, so let me see what, what, what feels like it best relates to this conversation. Hmm. It's funny. Every, everything that's coming up is just the books that my friends have recently written. <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, it's about LGBTQ stuff, but I mean, that's you should good. go buy it too. I mean, that's good because that just gives me a list of people I need to reach out to <laughs> to bring right. on this. Right. Um, well, my, my good friend, and this is so bad because I'm not going to end up being able to quote the title, but my good friend Matthias Roberts has a book that is about shame. And uh, he recently released that and he's a, he's a clinical therapist. Um, and what I love about it is it's this, it's, it is talking about shame through the lens, especially of sex and sexuality. But um, I think that shame is also something that informs so many things we do, including like who we vote for and, and, and who we pledge allegiances to. Um, and so yeah, if uh, if nothing else, check out more Matthias Roberts' book, and uh, <laughs> and I'll have more links for next time. <laughs> okay, that sounds good. But uh, thank you, Darren, for doing this again. Um, I'll be sure to hit you up with another message at some point about doing this again. Yes. Yeah, this was a really good conversation. And and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure to uh, have a have an actual face and a voice to attribute to the the person i see on facebook right that that was that was a big risk right i've never talked mm-hmm. to you before let's have a conversation <laughs> record it <laughs> right. right i mean that's what a lot of this podcasting thing is like it's like well i don't i barely know who this person is but i'm gonna try, try right. my best to have a conversation with stepping out on faith <laughs> which sometimes just ends up us like staring at each other and being like ah so what's your favorite color <laughs> right <laughs>